Justin Kringstead, Director of the North Dakota Pipeline Authority. Excellent, and thank you for joining the program here today. I uh, just wanted to get a couple updates for people as they get ready, planning for the fourth quarter, planning for 2021. There's you know a few components in North Dakota pipelines that can be pretty critical, either getting things to the market or in some cases even getting things to the refinery. So appreciate you coming on today to talk about uh, pipelines and what's going on with the just the overall uh, pipeline industry, if you will, within North Dakota underneath Justin Kringstead, the Pipeline Authority's uh, authority, I guess. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate it. So how about just kind of a state of the union, if you will? Uh, you know, there's obviously been a little bit of decrease with the rig count, with the production and everything, but just kind of where are we at right now when it comes to the numbers in terms of the pipeline flow capacity? Yeah, so so right now the, the state of the industry, you know, everyone's got their holding their breath still about what the markets are going to do here as we get through the remainder of 2020 and uh, get into the, the first half of 21. Um, you know, right now the, the production is, is the biggest thing on the mind of the midstream folks is, is what can they expect, what do they need to be planning for, and, and what's the, the timing uh, that's going to be necessary for new projects, expansions, and, and so on. Um, you know, as we've we've come out of the deepest uh, part of the turn to, turn down uh, so far, uh, that was in the month of May and June for North Dakota. Things have improved substantially, at least from a production standpoint. So there's there's production flowing, uh, more gas now going to the gas plants, more crude oil getting. Uh, leaving the lease and getting in the pipeline systems or the rail network. And so things, at least as we sit here at the, the first part of, of September, um, you know, my estimate is that production is back up to somewhere around that 1.3, 1.35 million barrel per day range, you know, up from that 860,000 barrel per day trough that we were in um, in the month of May. So, uh, but, you know, for the, the industry right now, We've seen over the last couple of days uh, more pricing pressure downwards and you know, a lot of uncertainty uh, as far as the number of completions and then rig counts in North Dakota over the next six to nine months as we start heading and start thinking about winter time. And um, it, it may not be till the first half of next year that we really start to see uh, some activity picking back up in the region from just a, a, a drilling and production scenario, right? All the, the shut-in production that was that was taken offline um, earlier during the, the downturn. Uh, majority of that's back online now. And so going forward, uh, North Dakota's production is going to be dictated by, you know, what the producers are doing from an activity standpoint, how many completion crews are, are working and what type of pace uh, they're bringing new wells online. Taking a look at the different pipelines, uh, I got really confused for about a week and a half. I, you know, I forgot the Keystone is different than the Keystone XL and then, You've got the uh, Mandan Tesoro uh, refinery. They've got their their own pipeline, and I think all three of them are in the news within a two week time period. And that stuff's hard to follow, man. If you're not dealing with it, it's like fantasy football and baseball. You can't keep up on it day to day. You just got to, <laughs> you know, it's just it's so hard. So, um, wondering if just kind of if you got brief overviews of some pipelines that I throw your way, like the the original Keystone pipeline. You know, I mean, I guess there's I got, like I said, I got confused because they were they were going to shut down one one week, and that was the XL, but not the original one. And I kind of embarrassed myself with the uh, Lynn Helms people trying to figure out which pipeline was which. And so I thought, well, 
let's just bring Justin Kringstead on because I don't know what's going on. So uh, where are we at with the pipelines? Like, let's start with the Keystone, then the Keystone XL. Yeah, so Keystone Pipeline, that's been in service now for a, a number of years. It does cross through North Dakota, but it does not um, carry or move any North Dakota or Williston Basin products. So that, that system, as it heads down um, to the, the Cushing and the Illinois markets, uh, is, is fully filled with uh, primarily Alberta and oil sands uh, production. So, so it does travel through North Dakota, but really no impact on our markets and our marketability. Uh, same right now with Keystone XL. Uh, that is still working through uh, the regulatory phases and, and beginning the construction phases. Uh, that system, if we were having this interview uh, a while back in, in the 2008-2010 type time frame, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not North Dakota oil could get on the Keystone XL pipeline, and that would be near uh, Baker, Montana, was the thoughts and the planning at that point in time. It, uh, as we sit today, um, those plans have, have largely been shelved. Um, it's not that it technically couldn't carry Williston Basin production. You know, there, there's still that window in the future if it ever was deemed uh, commercially viable. Uh, but right now, Keystone XL is going to be uh, continuing to serve that uh, Canadian oil production, getting it down to the Cushing, getting it down to the Gulf Coast marketplaces, and continuing to support either refining in the Gulf or uh, exports. Uh, and, and less imports of, of other foreign sources for that, that particular grade of crude oil. So those two systems, again, uh, very big systems in our neighborhood, uh, but largely for the transportation constraints and the issues that we have in North Dakota, um, not, uh, not necessarily significant at this point in time. So, How about the Tesoro pipeline? I saw that one pop up in um, either a court brief or a news brief or both, and that one actually got me a little bit, you know, curious. Like, because that one, I, there's a refinery in Mandan, and I believe doesn't the pipeline either go into there or have some connection there? But I did see where Marathon or Tesoro said they're, they're, um, it shouldn't bother production or, or slow down production or anything along those lines. But uh, just what, 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 do you know what I'm talking about? Is that, is that pipeline, was there some issue with that? Uh, correct. And so that uh, refinery, it's a 68,000 barrel per day refinery in Mandan. North Dakota, just across the river from Bismarck, and that refinery is served by a pipeline that comes from the, the producing fields to the northwest, and uh, a segment of that system travels through the Fort Berthold Reservation, and there are some easement uh, issues that are continuing to work wow. through the, the legal system right now, and, and whether or not that segment of the pipeline was going to continue to be operational. So there's uh, Tesoro High Plains, a marathon endeavor uh, I'll use those names kind of interchangeably for the folks up here right now. Um, but you know, things have been fairly quiet um, as far as, you know, them speaking publicly about it. Uh, but I think your your summary earlier that if that segment were shut down, um, if there was a risk to that, there were some other ways that crude oil could still work its way um, to that Mandan facility. Um, if necessary, it would be uh, logistically more challenging. It would add some additional costs and trucking uh, in order to bypass uh, certain segments of that pipeline. Uh, but as of right now, it doesn't appear that there's a major threat to the refinery itself and, and the product that it supplies to North Dakota and western Minnesota. Well, that's good news. Okay. Um, you mentioned earlier about the, the gas plants, and uh, obviously that's to, to help with some of the, the reduction of flaring and emissions management. 
Uh, do we have any updates on in terms of uh, gas pipelines, uh, that sort of thing, with um, either new ones that are coming on or any sort of uh, regulations that are going to be either recently scaled back or even applied, I guess? So, so on the natural gas side, so natural gas has been a, a challenge logistically for North Dakota since the, the Bakken really got going. And so gas capture um, is, is at the forefront here in November. Uh, the NDSC regulations are um, expected to tighten even further from a, a capture requirement. Um, so the industry is, has been going through substantial investments in, in new gathering, compression, processing facilities in the state. And so up until recently, uh, transmission out of North Dakota hasn't been a major issue. Uh, most of our natural gas constraints were at the localized level, gathering and processing. Uh, but now we're moving our, our way into uh, constraints in the very near future on our gas transmission pipeline. So these are the big pipelines that are moving gas from North Dakota down to the Chicago market and other interconnecting mid-continent pipeline systems. And so here in 2020, you know, like you were saying, there was a flurry of, of news on the crude oil side, particularly in the month of July and August uh, from the crude oil pipelines. But um, if those weren't happening and, and making headlines, we've got some other major uh, issues that need to be resolved on the natural gas transmission side as well. And so um, our major export pipeline is the northern border pipeline. It's North Dakota's largest pipeline system, 42-inch uh, uh, diameter. And there are some quality uh, constraints that may be, uh, may be coming down uh, from the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. There was a, a tariff proposed by northern border um, earlier this year. That's continuing to be uh, reviewed and, and analyzed by the FERC staff and, and all the industry participants and whether or not that uh, BTU limitation will get put into place for, for North Dakota's plants. And if that does, that uh, will be a major shift for the, the region as far as how natural gas needs to be processed, uh, marketed. What does North Dakota do with uh, particularly ethane as one of the natural gas liquids? You know, whether or not there's markets in the state or if that... Uh, or if it just needs to be shipped down in the, the Y-grade pipeline systems um, and, and sold as a liquid down in either Kansas or down in the Gulf Coast. So um, if those crude oil stories weren't making headlines, a gas transmission would be the number one uh, issue right now that, that we're facing. And, you know, does, and trying to answer that question, does North Dakota have an adequately sized and positioned gas transmission system for the production expectations five years from now, 10 years from now, and, and beyond. So those are those are really what uh, you know, I'm working on. I know the industry's working uh, very hard on it to try and find those solutions, get everything wrapped up as best it can. Uh, but there is, uh, we'll keep a, a close eye on I'm anticipating by early November a decision from FERC, and that decision will have very big implications for North Dakota as far as, again, what our gas infrastructure looks like uh, going forward. Now you're you're the pipeline authority director, and so I'm not sure if remote gas gathering falls under your purview or not. But I'm sure you've probably sat in a couple meetings. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Just is this is this an opportunity? Where are we at with some of this remote gathering? Because you know these crazy clever capitalists they spend hours sleeping on well sites and. You know, there's no pipelines up by Fort Tuna or whatever. So, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, these remote gatherings. But I, I, I get that they're not always economical and, and all these other things. But 
Did, do you know in anything like an update? Are, are they looking at these more? Are they shelving these? Are they trying to build pipelines? Just kind of talk to me about the remote side of it. Yeah, from from a, a holistic, big picture uh, view, you know, gas gathering and processing the, the traditional method um, will make up the lion's share of the solutions going forward. But there are uh, perfect applications where uh, either a pipeline system can't be built to a certain uh, well pad, where the timing just isn't appropriate. So there are there are certainly times and places that remote capture solutions make excellent sense. Uh, you know, some of the newer technologies and uh, that are being implemented out there are, uh, again, going straight from instead of flaring the gas, using it for power generation and remote computer processing. That's um, and using those electrons to to run. Know, high power computing equipment and using satellite connections uh, to get that information. So um, it, it's one of the, I'd say, one of the neatest technology shifts um, that we've seen over the last couple of years. And from what I understand, um, certainly gaining some some traction as uh, a very viable solution for the, the industry right now. Last question, Justin Kringstead, Pipeline Authority Director, State of North Dakota. Uh, carbon pipelines, a lot of talk about carbon sequester. Is um, is that a thing, carbon pipelines? It is. Yep, absolutely. And so North Dakota has one currently. It, it moves uh, carbon dioxide from the DGC facility up to Weyburn, Saskatchewan. Um, over the long term, that, that may be eyed as one of the potential uh, sources for North Dakota's oil and gas industry to pull CO2 out of that. CO2 works excellent as a... a um, enhanced oil recovery working fluid and i think long term you know just uh, a carbon constrained uh, economy is is going to be uh, more and more of an opportunity for carbon to be placed into the oil and gas industry for uh, either again sequestration or for that enhanced oil recovery opportunity so Project Tundra is one that's uh, in the works right now to build a pipeline. They're going to use it for sequestration purely um, to start. Uh, But over the long term, yeah, uh, we should expect in the coming decades that North Dakota will have a more robust uh, CO2 pipeline network as well. 